Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 220, Tools in the Tube. I thought this one would be kind of interesting and funny. This is kind of going to talk about, it's an article I'm going to be reading from a a trade magazine, and it's talking about different uh, tools in a tube, (laughs) things that uh, technicians and, uh, for that matter, anyone that's working on their car, uh, different things that are available that, um, you know, help you with making a proper repair. But ultimately, whatever it is, it's some kind of chemical, liquid, substance, whatever, that's in a tube. So it just seemed like an interesting article. So... This is from a a trade magazine called Tech Shop, and the author is uh, Eric Garb, or Garby. I'm not sure which way to pronounce that, but um, like I say, I'll be reading from an article, and it's it's not too long. It's going to be, oh, I don't know, 7, 8, 9, 10 minutes, something like that, but I thought it was kind of interesting, and for someone who... Uh, you know, and interested is, is interested in kind of finding out what technicians are using in regards to uh, car repair and uh, chemical tools, so to speak. Why it uh, might be an introduction to that situation, or uh, you know what people are using. So anyway, a um, couple of things real quick. Uh, if you ever want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail dot com. And I'm also available on LinkedIn under Brad Kyle's Motorworks. Uh, so you can find me at uh, that location as well. So, okay, well, let's get started. Uh, every shop has a special location. Sometimes it's a shelf, sometimes it's a drawer. It's where we keep all the tools that come in a tube. They're usually community property, except for the occasional extra expensive items that reside in a manager's office. Of course, I'm talking about sealants, NICs, and thread lockers, the chemical consumables that are just as valuable to our job as our hand tools. Often, they have a humorous side, especially when we see it misused, like more bright orange silicone sealant squeezing out between two components than would be needed to do the job five times. And inevitably, there's the stuff that gets used infrequently, ending up on the bottom of the drawer, eventually hardening up. But nobody throws it away, and five years later, it's still taking up space. It's such a letdown to see it and think, oh God, we've got some, only to find out it's hardened up. But if you're lucky and you only need a small amount, it's still good in the bottom of the tube, and you can poke a hole in it and squeeze it out the bottom. It's a reoccurring cycle that can be both funny and frustrating. We put up with it, though, because we need all this stuff. These tools are more than just a remedy or solution. They are as advanced as the modern cars we work on, and they're part of assembly for many areas of a vehicle as they roll off the assembly line, making them an integral part of the repairs we do today. But just like a nut or a bolt is different, so are they. They're designed for very specific purposes, and using the correct one is just like using the right tool for the job. Sealants. Sealants or gasket makers are more often referred to as RTV or sometimes simply silicone, but it's important to be familiar with the different varieties. There are three groups of sealants, RTV silicones, anaerobic sealers, and solvent-based sealers. RTV stands for room temperature vulcanizing, meaning it begins to cure immediately when it's exposed to air. There are many varieties of RTV silicones, and choosing the correct one is based upon the application. 
Since new car manufacturers have been using these more and more, it's important to reference factory service information and use the exact type while performing a repair. The factors that differentiate between RTVs are primarily the fluids you are sealing against, the temperature at which the component will operate, the pressures that will be exerted on the seal, the compatibility with sensors and gap tolerance. The pertinent information is clearly displayed on the packaging of an RTV silicone to make it easier for selecting the correct product. Some RTVs are designed to cure quicker than others and this is also an important point. You should always follow the recommendations for cure time before putting the component into use or it simply won't work as designed. Some may require as long as 24 hours before they are fully cured. Select the proper sealant based on the amount of time you have to do the repair. Anaerobic sealers will only cure in the absence of air and the presence of an active metal. They will not begin to cure until two metal mating components are assembled. They are primarily designed for assemblies with closely machined surfaces and for applications where exact tolerances are critical. RTVs won't work where anaerobic sealers are called for and vice versa, and this is where it's important to reference OEM service information, if there's any doubt. Use anaerobic sealers where they're called for, but again, be sure to confirm the correct type. Some anaerobic sealers are designed as gasket makers, and some specifically as flange sealants. Some are only designed for specific metals as well, so be sure to check compatibility. Solvent-based sealers are recommended for applications that come into contact with gasoline and common uses, use, common uses are antique cars, power sports, and small engines. As easy as it sounds, mistakes do happen and there's a few things to watch for when using sealants. First of all, don't use too much. As I poked fun at earlier, too much sealant looks silly, but it's more than that. Not only is it a waste, but it will squeeze out on the inside as much as it does on the outside, easily blocking passageways and potentially causing serious damage. Gasket makers have many advantages. They seal gaps and imperfections. They're more flexible and they last longer than most gaskets, but don't use them to coat gaskets or hold them in place, a common mistake. They're too thick and not designed for it. Gasket sealant, usually a spray, is a thin adhesive designed specifically for this purpose. Anices. You will hear anices referred to as either lubricant or a compound. Either way, it makes sense because it is both. It's simply a mixture, compound, of elemental principle particles combined into a carrier that is typically a type of grease or lubricant. The general makeup of all the general makeup also includes rust corrosion and moisture inhibitors. It's primarily known for its use on threaded connections, but it's designed to lubricate, seal, and protect any type of metal-to-metal -metal connections such as press fits, bushings, sleeves, or keyways, anywhere the possibility of rust, corrosion, or galling exists. In addition to nuts and bolts that have high exposure to the elements, it's also commonly used in high heat areas such as exhaust components or spark plugs. Opinions and usage vary between technicians. Some hardly touch it, and some go through it like ketchup on french fries. The reality is most of the time it's either underused or overused, and that goes for the when and where, but also how much. There are three types of automotive-grade anti-seize you'll use, aluminum, copper, and nickel, all designed for different applications. I specifically say automotive grade because while some of those crossovers into uses for power sports and marine, 
I like to be clear that NIC's lubricants are very specific to application. Marine grade, aircraft grade, food grade, nuclear, nuclear grade, wow, and various non-metallic grades are just the tip of what you can get. No different grade is better than another, just different. For example, nuclear grade anti-seize has the completely wrong properties and formulation for the automotive industry and vice versa. For the automotive industry, aluminum, copper, and nickel is all you need. Aluminum anti-seize is typically a blend of aluminum, copper, and graphite lubricants. It can withstand temperatures as high as 1600 degrees Fahrenheit and is generally the all-around anti-seize you can use for standard fasteners, brake components, suspension components, and some engine fasteners. It is more effective at preventing galling and corrosion due to weathering and chemical exposure. Copper anti-seize is typically a copper and graphite blend withstanding temperatures up to 1800 degrees Fahrenheit. It provides higher electrical conductivity than other blends and is more effective against corrosion and galling where high temperatures are present. Nickel anti-seize is typically a blend of nickel and graphite and has the highest temperature rating as high as 2600 degrees Fahrenheit. It is recommended where copper contamination could be a problem and is commonly used where extreme temperatures are present. It is also the best type for titanium, stainless steel, and nickel alloys. Any place where heavy corrosion occurs makes making disassembly difficult is a good location for a thin layer of anti-seize during reassembly, but don't use too much. Anti-seize is designed not to wash away or wash out, and it only takes a thin layer. If it's squeezing out and dripping, it's way too much. It can be used between components where corrosion was present or on the shank of a bolt where no threads are present, so it doesn't affect the torque of the bolt. It's common and acceptable to use on threads, but the most important factor to remember when using anti-seize on threads is what does the manufacturer recommend. The reason is torque. Since anti-seize is a lubricant, if it is used on the threads of a fastener, it will change the torque. You could over-tighten a fastener this way and damage the threads, weaken the fastener, or damage a component, so use caution here. A tip for applying anti-seize, especially on threads, is to use a small, stiff bristled paintbrush or an old toothbrush. Anti-seize is a little thicker than grease, and in order to get proper coverage, you need to make sure you have applied it to all areas. Just threading a bolt in may not be enough to distribute it across the threads. Spark plugs are a common point of use, but it's not always correct. The easy way to tell is if the threads on the plug are silver, cadmium, or golden color, don't use it. These plugs have a coating that is designed for the application and cylinder head material they are intended for. The use of anti-seize will, will affect the torque and you could potentially damage the plug or cylinder head. If the plug threads have a black oxide finish, it's okay to use anti-seize, but use it sparingly, and copper is the best for this application. Oxygen sensors are also common use for anti-seize, and many come with a small tube in the box. Copper is the best to use for them. Thread Locker. Thread Locker has the best name in the business. That's what it does, and it does what it's called. Period. It prevents fasteners from loosening caused, caused by vibration or heat cycles. And it seals the threads against corrosion from outside elements such as water or chemicals. It's just as important as with any other chemical tool to, tool to use the correct one, but with thread lockers. It simply comes down to how strong they are and what they are designed for. 
There are standard colors that indicate their strength, making it easier for us to identify the correct one. Blue thread locker, often called medium strength or removable, is designed for a smaller size range of fasteners and fasteners with blue thread locker can be removed easily by hand. Red is known as high strength or permanent. It's designed for a larger range of fasteners and requires heat to remove. These two types are the most common for automotive repair, but keep in mind there are many others including low strength, high temperature, and penetrating grades. Purple and green, low strength and penetrating respectively, run out the other colors you may need from time to time in automotive repair. And if one of these special grades is recommended by an OEM, then it's important to use it. Pay close attention to what you are using, however, because there can be different properties within the same color family depending on the source. And sometimes the color of the bottle reflects the color of the thread locker, sometimes it doesn't. Thread locker is also an anaerobic sealer, meaning it cures in the absence of air, so it won't begin to cure until the fastener is installed and tightened. When applying thread locker, all threads or surfaces should be clean and dry. Only a small amount is needed on the first few threads of a fastener, and all threads will be coated as the fastener is installed. Though it may not cure completely for 24 hours, most thread locker will cure adequately during the repair process so there's no need to wait to return a vehicle to service. Each different type has a specific curing time, and this should be considered if you feel it's a critical application. Since anaerobic sealers rely on the presence of active metal, and some common fasteners we use like stainless steel and zinc are not considered active metals, these require the use of an anaerobic activator for proper curing and strength. One final word. Avoid touching the tip of the thread locker bottle to metal. Contact with active metals may cause it to harden in the tip. Well, that's the end of that one. And uh, again, if somebody was, uh, if you're, you know, interested in the chemicals that are used sometimes in car repair, why uh, hopefully that gave you an idea of some of the things we use on a day-to-day basis and have to know about for that matter. Obviously, that's there's more than meets the eye maybe on uh, tools in a tube, as they say. So anyway... I hope you found that uh, enlightening and uh, maybe a little bit entertaining in a way. <laughs> uh, anyway, I appreciate you listening. Again, if you want to get a hold of me via uh, email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. And again, I'm also available on LinkedIn at Brad Kyle's Motor Works. So check that out if you feel so inclined. So appreciate you listening and I uh, hope you got something out of it. And I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.